Welcome back, everyone, to the Keeping It Real Estate podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Treadway, and today we are doing a step four in our home buying and sit steps process for first time home buyers. This is the much anticipated episode where we discuss financing the property. And I'm very excited today to have David Joyce of Guaranteed Rate Affinity joining me. Thank you, David, for joining us on the podcast today. You're welcome. Absolutely. So we'll go ahead and get started in on it. Uh, Discussing financing the property, uh, the first bullet point that we have on our list is contacting your mortgage broker or lender. Hopefully at this point along in the process, we've already gotten over doing that point. Um, But I want to ask you, David, just to get started off here, um, going through on a first time home buyer in their process of a loan, uh, how would they usually get started about doing that? Or what's the best way to go about that? Well, as you just said, it's critical to find out exactly what someone is qualified for, how much money they're qualified to borrow. And that has always got to be the first step in house hunting. Um, so I advise anyone who's thinking about buying a house, the very first call they should make once they've found their realtor, of course, uh, is to a, a mortgage lender. Uh, mortgage lenders can then qualify the buyer based on their person's income, uh, based on their credit score, and uh, based on the amount of down payment they have to work with, and the lender will be able to pick out the right type of financing for that buyer. Great, and I'm glad you actually mentioned that as well because uh, one of the things that we're going to get to here in a little bit later is going to be what types of mortgages there are out there, but before we get to that, I just wanted to see if you could give us a quick walkthrough on how the life of a mortgage process works when it comes to buying a home. Sure, the first step is for the buyer to contact the lender and to go through all of their documentation available. The lender has to document the person's income. That's usually done with paycheck stubs, W-2 forms, tax returns, all anything that uh, the buyer can produce to document their income. Uh, self-employed buyers always have to produce tax returns. Uh, if a buyer works for a company that provides them with a monthly paycheck or a weekly paycheck, then check stubs can, can, can do the same thing along with W-2 forms from their previous years. Uh, we also have to document a person's uh, cash that they have available to work with. Uh, different mortgage programs require different down payments, so we have to document the cash, and um, we have to get a two-month history of somebody's bank statements. So if there have been any deposits that have been put in the bank in the last two months, those have to be explained. We, we like to just see deposits from regular paychecks. Um, if there's any unexplained deposits, like somebody just uh, came up with three or $4,000 in their bank account, well, that has to be explained. Where did it come from? The reason is that um, it's very important that no one uses borrowed money as part of their down payment. You cannot borrow money and then use that for the down payment. I'm glad you explained that out because I know sometimes that is a conundrum that comes up a few times here and there with uh, explaining people, especially first-time homebuyers, different uh, scenarios that come up with uh, uh, depositing money into bank accounts and whatnot. So Yeah, it's pretty common with first-time homebuyers. I've had a lot of times uh, talking with first-time homebuyers and I say, how, how much do you have available for the down payment? And they say something like, well, don't worry, I can get the down payment. Unfortunately, I have to worry about that because um, you can't just have money appear out of nowhere. You have to document it. If it's been in your bank account for two months, then that's fine. It's considered your money. But if the money has just suddenly appeared in the bank account, the underwriters uh, will want to know where did that money come from. They don't have to document that it's not borrowed money. Sure, they want to make sure that it just doesn't pop out of nowhere. <laughs> right. Now, it is acceptable for most mortgage loans to, uh, to g- obtain a gift from a relative. It has to be a close relative like parents 
um, close family member, aunt or uncle, grandparents, brother, sister, that type of thing. So you have to have an immediate family member, and then that can be um, acceptable, but it does have to be documented. The family member who gives the money to the buyer has to sign a letter called a gift letter. It's a form that we provide, and the gift letter states that the money is a gift and the repayment is not required. Fantastic. So uh, one of the steps that we had in our first uh, bullet point of getting ready for homeownership way back at the beginning was building a good credit history. Uh, so one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is for somebody who's looking at buying a home for the first time and hasn't really started in the process of uh, getting ready for their mortgage or somebody who may have gotten to this point before and was told that their credit worthiness wasn't exactly the greatest, uh, what are some things that a person in that situation can do to improve their credit in order to uh, qualify for a mortgage? Well, you first have to know why the credit score is where it is. Uh, there's different things that affect a credit score and some of them can be corrected and some of them can only be corrected by time. Now, what I mean by that, uh, let's just say for example someone has several credit cards and the credit cards have a credit limit of say $2,000 and each one of those credit cards uh, the person owes about $2,000. In other words the credit card is what we call maxed out. Uh, that's not good. If you have a lot of those on your credit report those will definitely lower your credit score. So one of the easiest things to, to people can do to correct that is to lower their uh, balance on their credit cards. In other words, pay your credit cards down so that you're only using less than 25% of the total available uh, credit limit. So on a $2,000 maximum limit, you shouldn't owe more than $500 from month to month on that credit card. Uh, that's one of the big things that people can easily control and they can uh, get their credit score improved that way. Now if your credit score is low because you have a debt that was not paid or if you have some uh, what we call a derogatory credit experience, that would be uh, a repossession on a car for example, um, that's something that's going to take some time because the, uh, the guidelines call for a certain length of time to pass before a derogatory event. Um, we, we actually have those all listed out. They're given to us by the um, national, Federal National Mortgage Associations. Um, and uh, those events, the, the time that's required to pass between them will vary depending on the event itself, depending on what, what happened. Fantastic. I know a lot of times for people that are in the millennial age bracket or around my age, uh, that's a big question that we have getting ready for pre-approval of a mortgage or a big scare that they can have is their credit worthiness and whether their credit's okay or not. So thank you for explaining that out for us as well. So I know one of the other big uh, things that is usually an option or is a worry for uh, people our age as well is uh, down payments and whether they have enough saved up for down payment or not, which I know we touched about it as well. So um, can you go over whether there are any options for down payment assistance or down payment programs or anything along those lines? Yeah, there are definitely down payment assistance programs available. Um, there, there are different programs. We actually, uh, my company, represents two different sources. The one that's the most commonly used in this area is through the Florida Housing Finance Corporation. Uh, that is a uh, government entity uh, that was originated based in Tallahassee. It's through the state of Florida, and it is designed to help people buy houses. And they, there are down payment assistance programs. Uh, there's several of them available. 
They range from uh, outright uh, grants or what we would call a gift, money that you that are get to get and you don't have to pay it back, to uh, loans. Some of the loans have payments that have to be paid. Some of them are loans that don't have to be paid back until the house is sold. So there's a wide range of them available. And um, it depends on a person's qualification, uh, what what type of credit score they have and how much income they have, sometimes where the property is located. All these things are going to affect what type of program is going to be available for that purchase. Fantastic. So basically what you're saying is don't let the uh, fact that there's a down payment scare you away from being able to buy a house. Right. We, we have just about anyone who has got the ability to buy a house, meaning if they've got a re- reliable income, verifiable, steady income, um, and a good credit score, they should be able to find a program that works to allow them to buy a house. Um, now, people have always asked me, what's the catch? You know, there's always a catch. And then the catch is that a down payment assistance program is a more expensive program. So somebody who has a down payment and they could spend it would not be better off to go out and get a down payment assistance program and get the quote-unquote free money. Because like everything else, there's nothing free in this world. Somebody somebody has to pay for it. And the way uh, down payment assistance programs are paid for is with higher interest rates, higher fees. Um, so there's... Anyone who has the ability to put money down by using their own money is almost always going to be better off than somebody who uses a down payment assistance program. But having said that, I will tell you that a down payment assistance program is a lot better off than not having a house at all. So buying a house through a down payment assistance program many times gives people the first opportunity to get into a house, build equity in that property, and get them on the road to home ownership, whereas that wouldn't have been available say, without these programs. True. And I was actually going to ask you, uh, so I'm glad that you brought that point up, uh, from your financial expertise and standpoint, uh, the advantages of owning a home as opposed to renting or you know having to live through uh, rentals. Yeah, that's a very good point. There are people that uh, rent and rent through long periods of time, say 15, 20 years, at the end of that time period, they've got um, a bunch of rent receipts, and that's all they have. Uh, whereas opposed to if someone buys a home and makes the same monthly payment that a renter would pay, um, they would be building equity in that property. There's uh, almost every case the house is going to be worth more money in 20 years than it's worth today. And uh, when they sell that house, they're going to be able to take the profits from it, the, uh, both in the appreciation and the value of the property. That's one big one. Uh, just having the mortgage paid off because every, every month you owe a little bit less on your house than when you bought it. Um, and so, as I said, you, you get equity built up through those, through, through those ways. And uh, that's the big advantage of home ownership over renting. Absolutely. So I appreciate that information for right now. And we're going to take this opportunity to go to a quick commercial break. And we'll be right back with the rest of the episode. Welcome back to Keeping It Real Estate. I'm here with David Joyce from Guaranteed Rate Affinity. And uh, David, so far we've had a great conversation and we're going to jump right into the other questions. Um, I know one of the typical things that people are also worried about when they're going through the pre-approval process for a mortgage is uh, that their credit might get dinged uh, for getting uh, you know, checked to get pre-approved. 
can you go through how many times a person can get pre-approved uh, with a mortgage and what that does for somebody's credit? Absolutely. That's a real common concern that people have when they start looking at uh, real estate. Um, I'll, in order to understand why that is, you have to understand the history of credit scoring. Uh, credit scoring was first devised back in the 1980s um, by companies looking at hundreds of thousands of borrowers and their history of making payments on time and payment history of not, not making payments on time. Sure. And they look for commonalities. And the people that made all their payments on time had certain commonalities, and the people that were late on their payments had certain commonalities, and that's how the programs were devised. Now, that all sounds great, but one of the things that uh, the program uncovered is that when people uh, get into a financial bind, they run out of money and they start to panic, they go out and try to borrow money everywhere they can. So they would start applying for loans. And so the computer picked up on that, and the computer identified somebody who goes out and has their credit checked a lot, assuming that they're going to be trying to borrow more money, must be in, in trouble financially, sure. and so it would lower a person's credit score for that reason. Um, problem is that people were shopping for cars, for example, and every time they walked into a car dealer, before the car salesman wanted to talk to the person, he wanted to find out what the person's credit report was going to say. Of course, yeah. So I mean, the, the car salesman would say, hey, come on in and let me run your credit. And then they'd walk into the next car dealer, and the, that dealer would run their credit, and the next one would run their credit. They went into five or six different dealerships, had their credit pulled five times, and all of a sudden they weren't eligible to buy a car anymore <laughs> yeah. because their credit score had been hammered. So... When that was uncovered, the credit bureaus um, made an adjustment. And what they said was multiple inquiries from the same industry within a 30-day period are only going to show up as one inquiry. So someone could walk into, say, 500 car dealers within a 30-day period, and every one of them have their, check the credit, and it would only show up as one credit inquiry. So... Um, mortgage lenders all use the same credit scoring engine. So if someone were to have their credit checked by a mortgage lender and then another mortgage lender and then another one, all within a 30-day period, it would only show up as one inquiry. And one inquiry has a very minimal effect on someone's credit score. For the most case, it's you're talking about one or two points typically. Um, now, is that a big deal? Well, with some people, if their credit's high enough, it's going to be no effect whatsoever. Sure. But if somebody's on the border, mm -hmm. uh, let's say 620 is our cutoff and they're at 620 and yeah. their credit pulled and it drops it to 619, that could, theoretically, it could affect them. Absolutely. But that's not very common. It's, it's most common, uh, the, commonly, people having their credit report pulled uh, for a mortgage does not really affect how much they can borrow or what kind of a rate they're going to get or anything like that. It normally has zero effect. I'm glad you mentioned that because I have had that become an issue with a couple of clients that I've worked with before where they were afraid to have their credit pulled by a few different people because they had gotten their credit pulled once by a different mortgage lender and I had referred them to you and they were afraid that their credit would go uh, through the floor by uh, using yeah. you. So thank you for clarifying that because I know that's an issue mm -hmm. uh, that's real out there that a lot of people have. So so assuming that somebody's gone through the pre-approval process, they've gotten this far, everything on their credit and their income and all of that looks good, what types of mortgages are there available out there? And what might be some of the pros and cons of each different type? Okay. the 
We'll start out at kind of the, the top of the list. What most people um, think is the best mortgage, quote unquote, is uh, the Federal National Mortgage Association or Fannie Mae. Uh, Fannie Mae and its sister company, Freddie Mac, which is the Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation, uh, are both government entities that are uh, mortgage sources of mortgage money for mortgage lenders. Um, the Fannie Mae mortgages are affected by a credit score. In other words, the higher your credit score, the better interest rate you're going to get. The lower your credit score, the lower rate you're going to get. And it's also affected by the size of a down payment. It's also affected by the size of the mortgage. So there's a couple of factors that all work to uh, determine how good of an interest rate someone will get with a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan. Um, the, the key is there a, a big loan, big down payment, and high credit score is going to give you the very best rate. And the opposite is also true. Now, the next most popular mortgage available is through the Federal Housing Administration, or FHA. The FHA is the Department of Housing and Urban Development, which is a huge government agency. Uh, FHA mortgages were originally devised for, to help people buy homes. That was the, the reason uh, for uh, the creation of FHA. And uh, FHA loans only require a 3.5% down payment. Uh, FHA loans are also not credit score sensitive. So somebody who's got their uh, maybe a few dings on their credit report um, will not be punished, so to speak, by using an FHA loan. Um, the third type that's available to veterans only would be a loan through the Veterans Administration or a VA loan. VA loan's an excellent loan. Uh, does not require a down payment at all, zero down payment. But as I said, you must be a veteran in order to qualify for that. Another um, loan that's available through the federal government is the uh, USDA loan, uh, what used to be called the Farmer's Home Loan. Farmer's Home Loan is also a program that requires no down payment, 100% financing, but there are limitations on where the property is located. It must be in a rural area, and there are literally lines on the map. <laughs> and if your property is inside the lines on the map, then you cannot use um, USDA financing for that property. Okay. Well, I'm glad to know that there's a whole bunch of different types of uh, mortgages that are out there for people to use. Um, now, going along with this, I know some people might think that, okay, we get a mortgage, we get approved, we found our house, we're ready to buy, and uh, once we put a contract in and apply for the mortgage, the mortgage person is done and we never hear from them again until we start paying the mortgages. Can you just explain to people... Uh, how much you stay along with the process going from contract to close when it comes to buying the house? That's a real good question, too. Uh, mortgage process is not a simple process, and it seems like it gets more complicated every year. Sure. <laughs> um, the reason for that is the documentation level required seems to get a little higher uh, every year. When someone applies for a mortgage loan, they provide all the documents that they think they're going to have to provide and then the mortgage lender typically will call them back in a week or ten days and say hey I need a couple more documents <laughs> so they provide those documents and then a few days later they get another call I need a few more documents <laughs> uh, and unfortunately I've had people say well, why don't you just ask for everything up front yeah it would be great if you did and we try to do that but in some cases we just can't 
The reason is, um, I, I tell people, it's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle. Sometimes you don't know you're missing a piece until you get all the pieces put together. <laughs> of course. You see this one's missing. And uh, that's the, the best way that I can describe a mortgage loan application because sometimes mm-hmm. the one document will, will reveal that another document is required mm-hmm. and so on down the line. Of course. And um, one of the other things that I know uh, some people kind of uh, worry about or might have thoughts about is uh, when it comes to the closing on a house is closing costs. Can you just go over uh, what exactly closing costs are and how to maybe not make it such a big fright for somebody who's looking to buy a home for the first time that's unfamiliar with what those are. Yeah, I have a lot of time first-time home buyers have this big fear, a mystery. They say, I heard we got to write this great big check for closing costs. What's that all about? <laughs> and that is actually true as far as there is a big check written, depending on your point of view as to how big that check is. <laughs> sure. But um, the fact of it is when a real estate is transferred from one person to another, there are a lot of people that have to get paid. A lot of, there's a lot of things that are done. And at the closing table, you could imagine a room full of people with their hands out, all of them getting paid. <laughs> of, course. Now, of course, they're not all there in the room. Yeah. Uh, we close through title insurance companies. The title insurance companies actually take care of uh, facilitating the closing for everybody. And one of the things the title insurance companies do is they collect the money from the borrower and then they turn around and distribute it to all the people who are involved in the transaction. Uh, most most importantly, the um, the real estate agents get uh, their compensation at the closing table. The state of Florida gets their taxes, uh, what are called documentary stamps. Um, they have documentary stamps on the deed and on the mortgage itself, the transfer. There are recording uh, fees that get paid to the county. There's the cost of the title insurance itself that the title insurance company pays. Um, also, the cost of a survey on the property. The survey is what... Uh, actually maps out the, the actual corners of the real estate that you're buying. You, sure. have to, you have to know exactly where that property is and where the house is located on the property. You also have to have an appraisal on the house. That's a requirement of the lender. So that uh, appraisal determines that the value of the house is to make sure the house is really worth what you're paying for it. And then a lot of people uh, get inspections on their property. and Inspections uh, show the condition of the property. And while they're real commonly um, obtained by buyers, it's not something that the lender requires usually and those are usually paid in advance of the closing and at the closing table well i'm glad you mentioned that because that is also another uh, conception that people have is that normally the lenders will assign the uh, inspector to come out and do the inspection for you so it's good to have clarification that uh, that's not the process on how that works so yeah that's a good point too because there's a lot of confusion between what's an appraisal and what's an inspection the appraiser, his job is to go out and determine what the value of that property is. Now, the appraiser is also charged with noting the condition of the property and if there's anything obviously wrong with the property. For example, appraiser walks into the house and sees a big stain up on the ceiling from water. Well, he's supposed to note that in his appraisal and suggest that the roof be inspected may be leaking. If the appraiser walks in and sees bare wires, electrical wires hanging out the wall, then the appraiser will typically call for an electrical inspection. Um, if the appraiser sees something else wrong with the house, the air conditioning doesn't work or something obvious like that. But the appraiser is not an inspector, and they make that real clear in their report, that, that the appraiser is only uh, tasked with finding obvious things that people shouldn't miss at all. Now, the inspector, whole different thing. The inspector's job is to find everything wrong with that property. Sure. 
and they almost always do. <laughs> you get a property that you think is in really good shape, and then an inspector will come in and find things wrong with it. Of course. And uh, I'd say just about anybody listening to this podcast right now, if a, if a property inspector were to come into the uh, place where you're living, even though you think there's nothing wrong, there's probably something wrong. <laughs> could be something real minor, you know, burned out light bulb, light Absolutely. switch that doesn't work the way it's supposed to, something like that. I've been surprised. I've gone on walks with inspectors before for properties that I've either had listed or have buyers that are buying, and you think it's a pristine property, walk-in, absolutely ready to go, and they'll walk in and find at least two or three things that can either be improved on or need to be fits for the yep. property. So I, I totally finish. agree on that one. So uh, one last question here for you before we wrap it up. Uh, just want to pick your brain a little bit. As uh, a mortgage person, someone that's been doing this for a very long time and has a lot of experience with it, uh, what's the best overall like one piece of advice that you could give to someone that's applying for a mortgage for the first time or is a first time home buyer? Well, the most important thing in mortgage lending is credit. So somebody we touched on it a couple of times, but most younger people or first time home buyers, um, I don't say most, but a lot anyway, uh, don't put the emphasis on their credit score that they should. Uh, and credit is critical when it comes to obtaining a good mortgage. The higher your credit score is, the better uh, history you have of making your payments on time, the better interest rate you're going to get on your mortgage. And the opposite is also true. If somebody uh, doesn't have a good history of making their payments on time or if they've got a credit event that's uh, derogatory on their credit report, they're going to end up paying for that. Great. So thank you so much for your time, David. And before we let you go, I just want to make sure that uh, anybody who's looking or listening to this podcast that's looking to apply for a mortgage, whether it's your first time or your 117th time, that they know how to get in contact with you in case they'd like to work with you. And I definitely recommend using David if you're looking to get a mortgage. He is absolutely fantastic. So what is the best way for somebody listening to this podcast to get in touch with you about mortgage or any kind of financial questions at all? Um, well, I'm available through um, internet. Uh, if, you, if you Google David Joyce Mortgage, you're going to get my webpage. That will come up. Uh, David Joyce Orlando also brings up my, my webpage. And uh, that's the, all my contact information is in there. My telephone number, my email address, everything. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, David, and I appreciate it so much. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for our episode today. And join us for our next episode where we talk about actually making the offer to buy your first home. This is Keeping It Real Estate.